Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, good evening, friends. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. And tonight for our 9 p.m. slot, we are coming to you live. And I trust that many of you saw the announcement about what I want to speak about tonight. You've all, uh, or most of you, no doubt, have been seeing and talking about uh, the um, reports that uh, the Vatican is or has done a visitation, as it's called, a friendly visit, a uh, look deeper into how things are being done in the Diocese of Bishop Joseph Strickland in Tyler, Texas. I know the bishop, I know uh, people who work closely with him, and we all know his outspoken defense of orthodoxy, of pro-life, of the efforts that are made to not only advance the pro-life cause, but to advance the Catholic faith. We know he is a fighter, a warrior against the particular trends in the church that would water down or appear to water down the teachings that we have always held from the time of Christ. We know that he defends other voices that are loud and clear within the church, but who are and have been persecuted, including myself. He sent out a message of public support uh, for me when uh, the Vatican said, oh, you can't function as a priest anymore. He has expressed public support for Father James Altman, who likewise is a very outspoken uh, priest and has been uh, restricted in various ways by his bishop. And uh, Bishop Strickland is not afraid to challenge his brother bishops in a clear and respectful way to do more, to do exactly what, well, those of us who were ordained, exactly what we were ordained to do, maintain the clarity of the faith, defend it from the multitude of attacks that are launched against it, including by those in political power. And so Bishop Strickland has not been afraid to point out that in our day and age here in America, the Democrat Party has been assaulting the faith. I mean, is there anybody that doesn't see that? Because if there is, it's time to, I don't know, watch some news or something. The Democrat Party has set itself against the faith that we have. Now, if you're not a person of faith, well, you'll find a you'll find a home in the Democrat Party. You know, the Pew Research Company did an interesting analysis of the correlation between political affiliation and practice of faith, by which they, they looked at things like, do you believe in God? Do you pray? Do you go to church? Do you read the Bible? And the correlation was very clear between non-religious, non-religious practicing people, non-believing people find a home in the Democrat Party whereas religious believing people tend to congregate in the Republican Party. Remember the Democrat convention back in uh, 2020? The Pledge of Allegiance? One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. They couldn't even say the name of God. 
I mean, in one sense, it was hilarious. In another sense, my goodness, this isn't funny. This nation was founded on God. We're coming up to the 4th of July in less than a week. Read the Declaration of Independence that was ratified on that day by the Second Continental Congress and look at the, look at the mention of God. I, I, I mean, okay, so you have a bishop here who has done and said a lot of the things that, I mean, he's gotten attention which few other bishops get. Why? He's exercising ministry in one particular diocese, as most bishops are assigned to do. They're exercising ministry in one particular diocese. And yet, he's gotten national and worldwide attention really out of all measure, out of all proportion to the responsibilities that he has in that diocese, although it is Catholic teaching and, uh, and canonical provision that every bishop assists the Pope in the governance of the entire church. So you are talking about the College of Bishops uh, worldwide. It's a body that has responsibility as a body for the whole church. So it's never, you can't push too far the idea of these geographical limits and jurisdiction. You, you do have a function of teaching uh, and especially with the modern means of communication, and Bishop Strickland makes good use of social media, uh, it's a teaching mission to all the world. Okay, so having said all that, the latest news has been, and it's not in the least surprising, that, oh, now the Vatican wants to investigate how things are being run in his diocese. And this is a process that we at Priests for Life have gone through. Uh, we went through it about a decade ago, a little over a decade ago called an apostolic visitation. It's not necessarily a negative thing, but it could be weaponized uh, as processes in our federal government and in, in civil government here in America are being weaponized. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. The, uh, um, the process of visitation, a bishop or, or more are appointed to go and visit with literally physically visit with and interview and talk with uh, the um, the uh, people who run whatever particular diocese or ministry is being visited. And sometimes these visitations end up in, in decisions to make uh, radical changes. Other times, no. Like, for example, our visitation did not result in any orders for change. They came and they saw, in fact, what our visitation helped to do was to, to clear our name against... Um, unwarranted public accusations that were being made by Bishop Patrick Zurich of uh, Amarillo. Um, 75th birthday is coming, uh, right, Bishop? You got some birthday uh, plans uh, being made there uh, as you uh, send in your mandatory letter of uh, resignation to uh, Rome. It's um, very, very late, actually, very, very late. Of course, 75 is approaching, but the letter itself is very late because you've You've done a, a scandalous job. Um, it, it really is shameful, but that's a discussion for uh, another time. Um, and yet our visitation ended up clearing our name of fake allegations that he was making against us. For example, calling into question publicly our finances when there was never anything specific besides what I just said. Never any specific allegation like, oh, well, I see um, 
I see that there is a transaction here on April the 7th of $1 million, and uh, it doesn't seem to have gone to any legitimate purpose. In fact, it seems to have gone to buying a yacht or a, a villa. Uh, I don't know if Helen, Hel Helen Alvarez is out there listening, but villa, you might recognize the word villa that you have spoken. And she said, she said in a meeting, we had a villa in, uh, in Rome. Um, she doesn't know what she's talking about, which therefore she shouldn't talk. Uh, but various people in the, these Catholic inner circles, I mean, it's really shameful that they pretend to know things that they don't know, and then they go ahead and say them anyway, uh, or they put out vague statements that raise suspicions in people's minds, but because they haven't pressed any specific, specific allegation, um, they, 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 can't be, they can't be told, well, oh no, this isn't true, or you lied about that, because they didn't say anything. All they did was raise uh, doubts based on nothing. You know, you don't prove your innocence. You know, we happen to live in the United States of America. I don't know if some of you uh, who are in church circles live in some kind of, maybe you came from some kind of third world country last year or, you know, had a position in some kind of dictatorship. I think that that's probably the case with some of these people, the way they act and the way they talk. But here in America, let me introduce you. You see that flag? That's my pride flag right over there. Um, and uh, by the way, that's my pride leader over here on this side. Uh, but that's our, that's our pride flag. Uh, and you see it every day in these broadcasts. Um, here in America, we don't go after people in search of a crime. We go after crimes in search of the people who did them. You have to have an identifiable offense first. And the pattern I, 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 I want to talk to you about here is both in civil government and in the church, those who are radical leftists, and I'm going to call you people for exactly what you are and what you have proven yourselves to be, the radical leftists within the church will weaponize processes of the church to go after people in search of a crime. And sometimes a visitation can be weaponized in that regard. Now, as I say, in regard to us, there were these vague, vague accusations. Uh, go ahead, Bishop, and go look at your files. Refresh your, refresh your memory. Because you asked for many, many documents. We gave you each and every one of them, including our check registry. Does anybody out there who runs an organization, do you ever submit your check registry? to somebody who's asking for it, somebody who's in, in some kind of, of authority. But is that, is that normal? Look, any of you who know about finance, the financial world, we've got some excellent financial advisors, some Wall Street experienced uh, uh, people on our board and on our finance committee. And um, as they will tell you, but actually you don't need that much expertise to know what I'm about to say. And it's parallel, it's analogous to what we say in the civil arena about indictments. You know, when the Alvin Bragg fake indictment, uh, shame on you, uh, Alvin, um, uh, come out, come out wherever you are. What do you, what did you do today, by the way? Uh, Alvin Bragg, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a disgrace the man is uh, trying to, to mislead the entire country that, that President Trump did something wrong. Uh, Alvin Bragg, disgraced uh, uh, public official that he is, who shouldn't spend one more day in, in any kind of public office, um, said 
they, he, he, first of all, you said he didn't have to identify uh, the crime that, um, uh, that President Trump supposedly did. Well, actually, yeah, you do. Again, this is America. But the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, with, with the, you're going after people in search of a crime. And, and it's like, let's see what we can pin on this person. And so the commentaries uh, by very respected uh, legal professionals like uh, Alan Dershowitz, for instance, Harvard Law professor, said, look, you know, quoting, uh, uh, <laughs> quoting um, prominent legal minds from, from the past, saying, if you want to indict somebody, you could indict a ham sandwich. In other words, if you want to, if you want to go after somebody, you can find something to complain about. It, 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 it doesn't depend on whether that person did anything right or wrong or is perfect or, or flawed. It depends on whether you have good will or bad will. Because if you have bad will, you can indict a ham sandwich. Because there are enough laws, and this is just as true in the church as it is in the state. And by the way, if you're wondering what this is, I'm going to tell you in just a moment. But there are enough laws and rules and regulations in, in civil law as well as in canon law that if you want to press for something and find some way that somebody was in violation of something, you can find it. Anybody disagree with that? By the way, I can see your comment. I've got 94 comments already. If you have comments, if you have questions, I'll be, I'll be happy to uh, get through some of them. Um, so, uh, you know, here we go, right? And the um, and the same is true with finances. Those of you, there are many out there, I'm sure, who have much more financial expertise than, than I. Although, as I say, we have a great team here at, at Priest for Life. But the point is, you want to find something questionable in somebody's financial records? There is not a person in America that you wouldn't be able to, if you have bad will, and you want to look at all the, the, the financial records that they have, that you'll find something. You'll find something to complain about. If you want to nitpick, you can find something. So we gave them our check registry, and lo and behold, after not acknowledging, right, Bishop? You didn't acknowledge that we had sent you everything, Right? I'm not going to even say be honest because, because you wouldn't believe the lies that were told to me and about me. But after not even acknowledging that we had sent him what he requested, all the while complaining that he didn't know the information that we sent him, he finally, when our attorneys contacted his, sent a letter acknowledging that he had received the information and saying, my advisors and I will look it over. And if we have any questions, we will let you know. By the way, all of this is on a, a website that I'm going to uh, remind you about. And lo and behold, that was in 2011. What is it now? What is it now, for folks? Is it 20 what? 23, right? Is that that's higher? That's later than 2011, right? By what? A dozen years? Haven't heard a peep. And yet, the fake Catholic news regurgitates the complaints of the past. And again, there's nothing specific. Because what are they trying to do? 
There's a reason why they didn't get back to, an, to us, and it's more than that there was nothing wrong in the financial records. The reason was they had already accomplished their goal. Because this failure of a bishop had communicated to the media, to the media, that a willing, willing Catholic media, they're as bad as the fake news media that you see on CNN and MSNBC and all these other uh, 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 poor excuses for journalism. They're not even, they don't even pretend to be journalists anymore had communicated that, oh, there's a problem. Oh, the bishop has a problem with the finances. That's all. It, listen, mission accomplished. They don't have to find anything wrong. They know there's nothing wrong, but they don't care. They're, 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 all, they're, all they care about is they have power and they're going to exercise the power. And the way that they do it, understand, because here's the pattern here. And oh, by the way, these are all just introductory uh, comments. Here's the, here, here, here's the pattern. The pattern is that they choose who they want to go after, number one, because he or she is an ideological opponent, a political opponent. They want to shut the person up. They want to intimidate them from speaking out. Okay. And think about President Trump in the political arena and those who support him, myself included, proudly. And then you think of me, if you're familiar with my story, or now Bishop Strickland, whatever this visitation is going to find or lead to, in the ecclesiastical realm. And there's many others. So step number one, you, you choose the target because uh, this is a person that you want to shut up or intimidate. <clears throat> Saying things that are not putting you in a very good light. Number two... Friends, number two, is they start a process. Now, the process in and of itself may be very legitimate. The visitation process that church law embodies, listen, I'm not saying it's not a legitimate process. It's there for a reason, and it accomplishes a lot of good. Because a lot of times, ministries in the church need somebody to come alongside of them. It's supposed to be done in a spirit of goodwill. Remember I said before, if you have bad will, you can nitpick, you can find something wrong with anybody. I don't care who it is. But if you have good will, then you're going to be reasonable. And you're going to say, uh, okay, let me come alongside of you and help you to fulfill your mission and give you helpful recommendations. By the way, all the recommendations we got from our visitation, they said they were all optional. I said before, nothing was ordered. Nothing was required. We didn't have to change anything. Everything, but they, they gave helpful recommendations. Well, that's what we expected. That's what we want. I always, I always, I'm humble enough to know that, that, that I can learn from anybody and everybody, you know, from all of you, from anybody else, even from our, our critics and our enemies, even though they're, I think I have the stupidest enemies in the world, but that, listen, that's just my opinion. I could still learn from, from, even from, from people I consider to be stupid. But the point is that, okay, this, so there were no, there were no requirements here. But point number two is they'll take an otherwise legitimate process and they'll weaponize it. FBI, hey, you know, has a purpose. I think it needs now to be reorganized completely from the bottom up. But uh, in and of itself, legitimate uh, entity, in and of itself. I'm not talking about its current history. It's filled with corruption right now. But in and of itself, you take a legitimate agency of government, but then you weaponize it. 
The impeachment process, well, it's a legitimate aspect of, of government, but the Democrats weaponize it. Um, investigation, committee investigations, legitimate object in and of itself, but uh, but it, it got weaponized against President Trump. Similarly, these visitations can get weaponized or other processes of the church, other investigations. And by the way, this weaponization, when it takes place inside the Catholic Church, is worse than when it takes place in the civil government. Now, weaponization, what am I talking about? The, the impeachments of President Trump were the first purely partisan impeachments in American history. And when you read the details of how they were conducted, secret meetings, no opportunity to confront one's uh, accusers, no opportunity, you know, that January 6th committee, there's another flagrant weaponization of an otherwise legitimate process, a completely one-sided panel, no opportunity for um, defense or counter witnesses or cross-examination. I mean, this is, this is blatantly wrong. Now, what I'm saying is, when you take a church process and you weaponize it because you have left-wing lunatics in certain positions of power, and they just want to silence or intimidate people within the church who are saying things that they would rather not be said, well then, it's worse. Because the church, unlike the American system of government, isn't, it's not a democracy. The people under the law in American government have very, very robust, a very robust set of rights. You look under church government, and the people under those laws do not have the same set of rights. So it's much easier in the church where you have, you know, a, 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 a hierarchical authority in a way that you do not have in the, uh, the governance of the United States. Well, there's even the abuse ends up being even worse because they feel like they don't even owe you an explanation about anything. It's really awful. Okay, so um, what's step number three? After they introduce a weaponized process, then comes the selective leaking. Now, in the American system, so we see the current weaponization against uh, uh, President Trump of these uh, indictments uh, that are being handed down and this, these complaints about how he's handling classified documents or mishandling classified documents. Where in the world did this tape come from that CNN got? How did CNN, a media outlet, get a tape of President Trump talking to people about, about uh, confidential information, which, by the way, we don't know what it, what it was, and it's not part of the documentation underlying the, the recent indictments. So they don't have, in other words, they don't have the documents, so they don't know what in the world they're talking about. But nevertheless, the, the, the point is not that. The point is the tape. Where in the world did this come from? How did CNN get it? Nobody else has it. Because you have the very people who are weaponizing the process selectively leaking this information to people in the left-wing radical media who do their bidding. And you saw this with document, the uh, pictures, right? When they did the raid on Mar-a-Lago, somebody put documents all over the floor, took pictures. Well, where do those pictures come from? And it's asymmetrical leaking. In other words, those who are in power, those who are controlling the weaponized process, will leak certain pieces of information 
to a cooperative, radicalized media who will then, and here's the point, here's the whole purpose of what they're doing in both the church and in the state, who will then publicize that so that people get a bad idea about the person they're targeting. Because they don't want that person to be supported. In the political arena, it's that they don't want that person to be voted for. So they don't care if there isn't any legal case against President Trump. There isn't. But they don't care. And they don't care even if that's obvious to us. They don't care. What they care about is get those negative media stories out there so you can deter people from voting for him. And that's why, because people see through this crap, that's why the support for him grows instead of goes backwards because people, the American people don't like this, so they fight against it. And they say, even if he wasn't my main choice for as a candidate, my goodness, I'm not going to stand for this weaponization of an American process that's supposed to be protecting us all. I'm not going to stand for that. And so they rally around the victim. And it's asymmetrical. Because then if you go back to the government that is doing this process and you say, hey, wait a minute, where did this come from? Or why are you saying this? Or do you even have the document you're talking about? Or what, what's, what's, what's the matter here? Or what about, and you try to, to mount some defense or get some good things out there about the person who's being attacked. They come back and say, oh, well, we can't comment on anything because it's an ongoing process, ongoing investigation. And they invoke confidentiality. Now, here's my point. Exactly the same thing is happening in the church. A weaponized process is launched against somebody. And then, mark my words here, and I am going to be on this theme for a long time to come, and those responsible are going to have to answer for what they're doing. Just like we have a left-wing, radical media, corrupt media in the United States of America, for example, CNN, MSNBC, and so forth. So, fake news media, right? So we have in the Catholic Church. There are various media outlets put themselves forward as Catholic news sources. They're crap. And what they do is communicate with certain leaders in the church. You all know who exactly who you are. I know exactly what I'm talking about here. They communicate with certain leaders in the church, and they get certain information about these weaponized processes, and they publicize them. And meanwhile, the person, like myself, who's under attack, is told, you can't say anything about this. Yet, yeah, like hell I can't. I can and I will. Because those who are trying to say you can't speak about this are precisely the ones that have to be resisted because all they're doing is weaponizing an otherwise legitimate process for the purpose of delegitimizing the person whose word is having a little bit too much influence more than they like or leading the church in a direction that they don't want to go. So the selective asymmetrical leaking of information, and I'll give you some examples of this, is happening within the church. Shame on the fake Catholic news media who participate in this crap. All right. You know, let me just back up for a moment and say, in terms of what I'm doing here tonight, 
there comes a point in your life when you recognize a pattern, right? You all know what I'm talking about. You realize at a certain point in your life that there's somebody that you know, and you realize, hey, that person, that person likes me. You've seen enough behavior to come to that conclusion. Or you might come to the opposite conclusion. This person doesn't like me. And then once you have that insight and you put two and two and two together, then you look at everything else that they do after that and you say, uh, oh, okay, now it all it makes even more sense what they're doing makes even more sense, and it all lines up into the same pattern. Um, There's this great saying that psychiatrists have, believe behavior. If you see somebody gulping down water energetically from a water fountain, they're not coming up for air practically. And, and then when they do come up for air, they look at you and say, I'm not thirsty. I'm not thirsty at all. And then they go back to gulping down that water. What are you going to believe, their words or their behavior? Psychologists tell us, psychiatrists tell us over and over again, cardinal rule, believe behavior. And that's what we have to do in terms of the weaponization of processes, both in our government and in our church. The visitation, why is a visitation being done by Bishop Strickland? If they tell you, oh, but we have to look into the, the, the finances, it's crap. Why are we doing this? So they'll give you all kinds of reasons, all kinds of explanation. Believe behavior. Ask yourself the question, whom are they coming after? Who among the priests has been persecuted, punished? Who? The one speaking up for the Democrats or the one speaking up for the Republicans? Who in the church is being punished and sidelined? The ones who are speaking up for traditional morality or for progressive morality? Who in the church is being told, in other words, shut the hell up? The people who are standing up for sexual morality or who are promoting immorality? Who in the church is being told by their bishop, you're in trouble? The people who are promoting pro-life or the people who are promoting LGBTQ plus crap? Who is it? What's the pattern? What dioceses, what bishops are being investigated? Those who are standing up for traditional Catholic teaching? Those who are pushing back on the pro-abortion, anti-God, anti-freedom, anti-religion Democrat Party and calling it out for what it is? A bunch of tyrants? Or those who are cozying up to the Democrats and saying with their Roman collars on, oh yeah, I'll probably vote for the other guy when they're asked about the election of President Trump. You, you people know who you are, bishops, cardinals. You know who you are. And I'm not telling you anything new. You see this stuff. You can answer all these questions. It's those who are standing up for what the church has always taught, those who are pushing back against a radical Democrat party, those who are calling out by name the fake Catholics like Biden and Pelosi, those who are standing up for pro-life, these are the ones being sidelined, punished, intimidated, getting visitations, 
more than the folks who are standing up for the Democrats, promoting gay rights, having pride masses, LGBTQ nonsense. I mean, do do we really have to convince anybody of of this? We have to remind people about it. But the evidence is there for everybody to see. So there comes a certain point in time when you see the pattern clearly enough that you can speak about it with some authority. And there also comes a certain point in our lives, and again, this is true of all of us, when we've had enough experience in a particular environment or in a particular realm of activity that our experience, we can expect and, and we can ask that our experience and understanding in that particular realm of activity be respected. So, for example, if you've spent 35 years in, a, in the education system in New York City, you know what's going on in the education system in New York City. And your word should be trusted on that because you've got the experience, you've got the expertise, you've put two and two together for decades. Similarly, as I speak to you tonight about these things, I'm coming from a perspective of 35 years in this system that we call the Catholic priesthood, longer than that because there was 12 years of training. So this all goes back to 1976 that I've been involved either in the seminary system or in the priesthood itself. I know what's going on, and I worked at the Vatican. I also have spent 30 of these recent years full-time in the pro-life movement in leadership on a national level, and working in that arena in a very specific way to activate the church to help people elect pro-life candidates. Now, why would we do something like that? Well, because if you're going to actually protect these babies and not just sing a song about it or engage in wishful thinking out loud, well, then you've got to elect people who are willing to protect them. And if you want to have people elect people who are willing to protect these babies, you have to say so. We're not engaging in a a game here of mental telepathy. So I think I'll ask my guardian angel to tell that voter's guardian angel uh, to talk to the guardian angel of the candidate and and say, I'm going to vote for you. Come on, let's be real here. You want laws that are going to protect these babies. You want to protect these babies, you have to have laws that are going to protect them. You want laws that are going to protect them, you have to elect lawmakers who are going to pass those laws. You want to elect those lawmakers, you have to ask people to vote for them. And you have to tell them why it's important. Why is this so difficult? Why is this so difficult? And why are there people out there saying, oh, no, we can't say that, we can't do that? Oh, you sure can. No, 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 we can't. Yes, we can. Now, what is this pile of books and papers here? I know of what I speak because these are the documents about the back and forth I have had with Democrat-inspired weaponization in the Catholic Church vis-a-vis my priesthood and my ministry. Here it is right here. I'll sit here and read every page of every one of these documents. If that's what it takes to persuade you that I know what I'm talking about, 
back and forth for three decades with people in this church who are inspired by the Democrats and who use exactly the same tactics that we are seeing play out right now in the civil arena against people like President Trump and his supporters. Exactly the same tactics, which I briefly described. Again, you choose your political opponent, you weaponize an otherwise legitimate process to try to silence, sideline, intimidate, or remove them from some position. You selectively leak with a willing fake news media the kind of things that will damage their reputation, while meanwhile making that leaking asymmetrical by telling the person to shut the hell up because they can't talk about these things. And then uh, fourth, it continues. It never stops. They're never satisfied. President Trump can never satisfy those who are going after him. Do you think there's ever going to come a time where they're going to say, well, sir, you know, you've answered all our questions and you've uh, fulfilled all your responsibilities. Do you think there's ever going to come a time where they're going to say, okay, all our procedures against you, all these uh, grand juries, all these accusations, all these investigations, all these impeachment processes, uh, uh, we're done now. We're finished. Thank you very much. Sorry for the inconvenience. We can all go forward now happily ever after. Do you think that day is ever going to come? And do you think if somebody else besides Donald Trump is the nominee, even though it might not be to the same degree because there's no fighter like he is, but do you think that this kind of weaponization of the government would stop if Donald Trump were out of the picture? But think again. Because it's not simply about him. It's about the radical left pursuing their agenda with crazed insanity, pushing down the throats of our children, uh, uh, LGBTQ, mutilating our children without parental involvement. That's, by the way, that's what this is all about. They just want to separate children from their, from their families. They don't care about the, the sexual part of it. They're trying to separate children from their families and trying to take away the biggest obstacle in the way to their one-world globalist agenda devoid of morality and only consisting in their power to control everybody, then you know what the biggest obstacle to them is? It's a twofold obstacle, the family and the church. That's the obstacle. And they almost had, and you know, Hillary Clinton said as much, that this whole church position on things like pro-life and gay rights and stuff the church is is the is the is the is the big obstacle in the way the final frontier to pave the way for our radical agenda you think there's not a collaboration between people who think that way and the same kind of people who think that way within the church but people who exercise the levers of civil government to advance a radical agenda and those who get their hands on the levers of power within the church to exercise that same agenda. You see, within the church, they don't impeach us. They suspend us, we who are clergy, suspend or even laicize like they did to me. And right here, you've got it all right here. Plus, I wrote a book about this. It's called Abolish, Abolishing Abortion. Now, it's a strategy memo about what we have to do to protect the unborn. But what it also is, is, well, it's a strategy memo that answers the question, what does the church need to do 
and what does the state need to do? Now, this was written, this was published in 2015. Many of the things that have happened since then in the pro-life movement, okay, less than a decade, have been exactly what this strategy lays out, leading to the reversal of Roe v. Wade and so forth. But the part in here about the church deals with one of the key points, one of the key reasons why some in church authority would look at me and my message as something bad, as a threat. And it's because of the politics. It's because of the advocacy of what we would know as conservative politics, what we would know as America First politics. And I want to go into some, uh, some details here about this, because guaranteed, one of the reasons that Bishop Strickland is uh, dealing with what he's dealing with now is because he has been as outspoken as I have about the Democrats being a threat to America. And this is what some in the church don't like. Why? Because they're cozy in bed with the Democrats. It's as simple as that. Boy, do they have a lot to answer for. You got to stop it, guys. These Democrats are wicked. You know, I'm going to share, I'm going to, I'm going to quote for a few things for you here. In fact, let me go right to this, mentioned this Zurich character here from Amarillo. Letter he writes me in August of 2018. You are extremely partisan in your rhetoric demanding people to vote for Donald Trump. He's referring to some videos that I posted prior to the 2016 election, in which videos I don't even mention the name of Donald Trump. But he says, extremely partisan your rhetoric, okay? You further told people that anyone who votes for Hillary Clinton is an enemy of yours. Well, actually, I said that she was an enemy to the unborn and to the moral fabric of our country. In fact, Michael, one of this bishop's close advisors said to me privately, um, yeah, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton probably is evil, but we can't say that. Right, Michael? You remember? We can't say that. Yeah. That's why we continue to have people like this. Thankfully, she didn't get into office. But that's why we continue to have people like her in office. Because here we believe, we can actually say in our own mind and heart, we could say privately to somebody, oh, yeah, you know, she probably is evil. And then we keep our mouth shut? What kind of love your neighbor is that? I'm going to allow a person like this. I'm not going to do everything I can to keep this person out of office, but rather allow a person like this to almost come this close to getting elected. Which election then would influence the kind of government not only that I live under, but that my neighbors live under and threaten their religious freedom? And you look at the agenda of the Democrats. I mean, look how they govern these Democrat-run cities. It's complete chaos. A complete breakdown of law and order. It's complete. Uh, uh, I mean, look at the border. And on and on it goes. So listen to what this guy says here. In doing so, okay, and being so partisan, you violated the canons that insist we as priests remain neutral in politics. You hear the angels singing now? Neutrality. 
Oh, the incense is rising up. They worship this fake notion of neutrality. I'm going to come back to this in a second, but listen to this. Neutral in politics. In order to remain a model of peace and unity. Let me read this, this bishop, misguided, wayward, and as a, the disgrace to humanity, the disgrace to the church that he is, is not alone. Got a lot of, a lot of other fools with him. Bishop uh, Mulvey of Corpus Christi, hey there, how you doing there? issues this online um, the, the very next year after this I got this other letter, 2019. Listen to this. A new political cycle has begun. We need to be cautious not to side with any political party's stance. But by the way, everything these people say, it benefits the Democrats, not the Republicans. You can't find a single thing in any of this. That, that, that benefit, benefits the Republican Party or pro-life Republicans. We need to be cautious not to side with any political party stance. I recently received a copy of a politically slanted letter that was published in a parish bulletin. <laughs> what direction do you think it was slanted, right? It's all the same pattern, slanting to the Republican side. All priests, deacons, and religious men and women are to refrain from publishing or speaking in favor of one political party's stance or issue preferred over another's. Oh, really? You mean even in terms of the killing of a baby? We're not supposed to prof profess a preference for one stance over another? Listen, Bishop, wake up. One party says you can't kill babies, and the other one said it's a right to kill babies, and we want taxpayers to fund it. You're not going to express a preference for one stance or another. If you express a preference, according to what you're saying here, listen, we are to refrain from publishing or speaking in favor of one political party's stance or issue. He's not saying over one political party. Like saying, hey, well, folks, you need to be Republican. I never said that in a pulpit anywhere. You need to be Republican. I'm an independent. No, he's saying in favor of one political party's stance or issue. So what about when that issue is that you can't kill babies? Tell, tell me. Tell, tell me. Can't speak. Refrain from speaking. You, and people ask me, why, why is my priest so silent on abortion? Because some bishops are telling them to shut up. I, 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 I don't know about you. I've had it up to here with this. Because not only are they cowards, they're trying to enforce their cowardice on the rest of us. This has got to stop. Listen to what he says. Compare it with what this other deceiver said. When we speak or write, we do so as bridge builders and being reconciled to one another. In love and charity, we should always talk about the sacredness of human life, the needs of the poor, and justice for the oppressed. I am notifying you to refrain, now listen, listen carefully to this, refrain from writing and or speaking from the pulpit about any matter that might contribute or cause disunity and anger 
among our brothers and sisters. I'm going to hold on now. I'm going to come back to just put all these things in your mind. Here's a third bishop. Now, there was a priest who for a while was helping us out in an informal way, in a part-time way. And then I see, this is the following year. Now, it's 2018, 2019. This is 2020. This is yet from a, yet another bishop of Columbus, Bishop Brennan. The Catholic Church present, poses a beautiful, life-giving, liberating vision based on the truths of the human person. Okay, all right. I hope we can all show this respect. Okay. This priest's name is Father Klee. He was assigned to live in a particular parish. Listen to this. Father Klee has shown a pattern of making communications to a broad audience on a variety of contemporary issues, which are frankly divisive. These communications seemingly present Catholic moral teaching. They are often offensive and disrespectful of the deep dignity, uh, a human dignity of persons. Father Klee has been repeatedly warned about making these divisive communications and ordered to cease doing so. Further steps are being considered at this time. Yeah, right. And again, what direction do you think these comments were in? Were these divisive comments perhaps uh, suggest, comments that suggested that homosexual activity is okay? Would that be a divisive comment? If I got up in the pulpit and I say, you know, brothers and sisters, we've got a debate in this country over uh, gay rights, but, you know, we've got to respect uh, the dignity of, of people. And if somebody wants to engage in homosexual activity, who are we to judge? Is that or is it not divisive? Is that or is it not a statement that will cause some to be angry? But you know what? They're not coming out against that. They're coming out only against angering certain people. They're coming out against only angering those that are going to be angry when we say you have to vote for candidates, you have to vote for public servants who know the difference between serving the public and killing the public. You can't kill babies. That's going to get certain people angry. And that's the only time you see these weaponized church leaders coming down with a hammer. And, 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 and how many more how many more examples do we need? Here we go. I've dealt with this for decades. know exactly what I'm talking about here. Hey, listen, you you guys that do this stuff, you say this stuff, you know, first of all, we've had enough. Secondly, you got nothing. You got absolutely, you can flap your lips all you want. You've got absolutely nothing to justify this garbage. Nothing. You got nothing. We're done with you. We're sick and tired of this because it's garbage. And it's the weaponization of processes. Shepherds in the church, yeah. They are supposed to discipline their priests and put out guidance to their people in a way that builds up the faith, not in a way that silences it. So, so listen again. Don't talk about things, Bishop Mulvey is saying, 
that may contribute to or cause disunity and anger. And this other guy, we as priests must remain neutral in politics in order to remain a model of peace and unity. Let me ask you a question. How do you preserve peace and unity with people who want to mutilate your children and claim the right to do so? How do you maintain peace and unity with those who want to call you a threat to democracy because you're standing with traditional Catholic values or traditional Christian values across the board? How are you supposed to maintain unity with people who are thrusting drag queens in front of your children and saying that you as parents don't have the right to even stop that from happening. How do you promote peace and unity? With these sisters of perpetual indulgence? And as far as I could tell, Bishop Strickland was the one Catholic bishop that stood with the faithful people who were against that, and they weren't just Catholics that were complaining about that. The whole body of Christ was offended. So so how tell me exactly how this works. These people hate the faith. They hate morality. Go and sin some more is their slogan. And they come out and they do this publicly. It's an in your face attitude that they have. Or how about the people who want to force you to pay for unlimited unrestricted abortion? want to call our pro-life stance, again, a threat to the republic, and are pushing in an unapologetic way to destroy the pro-life message, the pro-life movement, the pro-life pregnancy centers, attacking them with violence after the Dobbs decision came down. And then here we got, instead of people who are calling us to battle, And to say, stand firm, friends, stand firm, expose the wickedness of these arguments, expose the evil of abortion, stand firm for the church's teaching on faith and and marriage and sexuality. Oh, no, no, no. All these people can do is say, hey, don't say anything that's going to get people angry because after all, we all have to live in peace and unity. Peace and unity with what? Those that mutilate our children, those who want to impose the sexual immorality on the rest of us, is that what you want peace and unity with? Tell me. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Will one of these people, will one of these people, please tell me, if anybody who believes in this garbage, one of you tell me how we're supposed to promote peace and unity and not get anybody angry when this stuff is going on. People are engaged in this country, people and organizations, in an orchestrated, deliberate attack on everything we believe in and on our freedom to believe it. And all you can say is don't be divisive. Have you ever stop and think that they're the ones creating the ruckus, creating the division, creating the problem? No, no. I mean, this is... And then we try to bring about a political solution 
No, we had all, this things, all these things going on, right? And they're redefining our history, and they're destroying our southern border, and they're, 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 they're defunding the police and allowing crime to run rampant in our, in our communities. And you look at these Democrat-run cities, and you got to be, be uh, worried about not surviving a, a walk from your car back to your, to your front door. And, and all these people can say is, as 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 in this book, I go through all kinds of these kinds of letters and memos that are written. Avoid any content that promotes or discredits a particular party or candidate. You got a party or candidate that's saying, "Hey, let all the criminals come in. If we catch them, we're going to release them. And uh, if they're doing violence in your community, well, we're defunding the the ones that uh, might protect you as." law enforcement. All they can do, here's another saying, listen to this one from the USCCB, do not even appear to endorse or oppose particular candidates. Do not even appear. Okay, so one party says the baby has a right to life, the other party says there's a right to abortion, and the church says there's a right to life. Does that, does that appear to endorse one party over the other? Of course it does. But according to this guidance, you can't say anything. That's what they're saying. Read this book, Abolishing Abortion. Go to abolishingabortion.com. Let me let me let me give you another example. Uh, President Trump's team asked me both in um, 2016 and then again in 2020 to be part of the of a advisory committee to advise on Catholic issues and pro-life issues. And it was a privilege. And, and the administration listens, I mean, they, and they appoint advisors. They, they, they do that because they want advice. And so they, they, they um, uh, are happy to, to, to get input on, on various topics of concern to Catholics, to help them understand what does the Catholic Church think and teach on these specific issues, how might we talk to Catholics about these issues, you know, uh, in a productive way, and so forth. And how can we reach Catholics with the with the policy proposals that we believe are advancing the same values as the church holds? Fair enough. So in 2020, let me let's talk about 2020. I was on the Catholic Advisory Board, and here's one of the things that I was invited to do. In fact, I'm going to read for you here an email that I sent to a whole bunch of priests that I know, priests that I know and that I trust and that I know are on board with our understanding of what the mission of the church is and, and what is pro-life is all about. So, hello, Father. I hope this finds you well. I'm, I'm reading exactly the email I sent to these, to these priests. Here's what I said. One of the things I'm often asked to do is to lead a prayer on a phone conference call for the Catholics for Trump Coalition, a grassroots effort of citizens who support the president and his pro-life, pro-religious freedom agenda. The coalition has begun a weekly prayer call each Friday at 3 p.m., and they would like to invite various priests from around the country to come on the call for about 10 minutes to lead whatever kind of prayers they would like, perhaps a decade of the rosary or of the chaplet or other prayers. Would you like to be a guest priest to do that on one of the upcoming Fridays? I'll be happy to give you more details if you're interested. Blessings, Frank. Okay, so that was the email I sent. And I did get a number of priests uh, who came on the call. 
to do what priests are supposed to do, to lead people in prayer. And these were faithful Catholics from across the country who were giving of their time and effort voluntarily to educate their fellow voters on matters of concern to the Catholic faith. Okay, here's one of the responses I got from one of the priests. Uh, Thanks for the invitation. Let me check with our diocese and see where they stand on this. I've been chastised by my bishop for activities like this. Let me discern our current administration's point of view. Yeah. Congratulations, uh, Bishop. You're going to chastise a priest for activities just like this. Now, did you hear the kind of activity? Did you hear my email to this priest? Well, what kind of activities am I talking about? Getting on a phone call and leading a, a rosary? Or the chaplain, what's the problem, Bishop? The chaplain of divine mercy? Is that is that why you're chastising them? Too much mercy? What, what, what exactly, why, are you, why exactly would you be chastising somebody for this? You're leading people in prayer. Very same email that I sent to another priest got this response. God bless you for your efforts. Okay, so they're, they're on our side. God bless you for your efforts. Thanks for the email. The powers that be, I'm reading from this other priest's email, the powers that be seem to want to control everything I say and do. I'm trying to be careful, but trying to leverage support any way I can for POTUS re-election. The powers that be seem to want to control everything I say and do. Control everything I say and do. Wow. Let me see what some of you are saying here in the chat. Hey, Fallon. Good. I know who Fallon is. They can't force that stuff on me. I tell them it goes against my religion and ask them if they would force a Muslim to eat pork. You know... um, Hey, Retha, thanks very much. I think you are really smart. You are too for watching watching and listening to all this. Um, the Democrats have no respect for religious freedom. They don't. They, 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 uh... Alan, good comment. Father, you are 100% correct. We cannot be sheep. We cannot and should not allow these stupid, mean people to push their evil agenda on we the people. We must fight back. We must fight back. We must fight back. As simple as that. Um, Here's another yucca. Weaponization of the system is one's inability to solve the problem by admitting the problem is too big. Therefore, they choose exclusion that leads to exclude them from its own system at end no peace. That's right. Uh, It's an admission of failure. Um, Evelina is saying, you are right. We can't live in peace and unity if the children are hurt. And what kind of unity? Unity around what? Right? Unity around what? Uh, Colin is saying, amen, Father, we cannot live with wolves. These people are the one causing the, the, causing the division. As I always say, you know, don't be so, so concerned that there's division. 
be concerned that you're on the right side of that division. There's always going to be division because there's an inherent division between truth and falsehood, between light and darkness, between good and evil, between grace and sin. Um, yeah. So tired, uh, Regina says, of priests refusing the message of Christ. I want real preachers like Father Chris Alar, Father Pavone, and others. Father Chris has been a good friend for many, many years, been a supporter of our work here at, um, at Priests for Life. Um, here's another good one, Kathy. I'm so glad for Frank Pavone. They silenced Father John Carabi. They partly silenced Father James Altman. He needs his own YouTube channel. But Father Frank Pavone is saying the truth here. Let me tell you, let me make you a guarantee here, friends. Let me make you a guarantee. I will never be silenced. Ever. It doesn't matter who does what. It doesn't matter who says what. First of all, and it's not just on the basis of, you know, the constitutional right we have to, to speak freely. It's on the basis of, you know, just basic human dignity and, and human integrity that unless we speak our mind, we betray our very selves. It's not even healthy. Even aside from questions of, uh, hey, I have a duty to speak up and, and what, but wait, it's not even healthy to be silent, to be so concerned about what's going on, to see what's going on, and then to what? To sit back and, and say and do nothing? That's not healthy. I mean, you're, you're going to get sick like that. I'm going to get sick. <laughs> Wes, I like that. Uh, Jesus is probably flipping tables. He is flipping them right now. He wants us to flip a few too. The, this is good. Plump ponies. The administrative church. I like that phrase. I call it, I say the deep church. There's a deep state. There's a deep church. And listen, let me let me make something clear here. Lest I, I know I get all worked up during this program, because I know that you we so you're on the same page with 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 me, at least most of you. You get worked up over this stuff too. So we can get worked up together. But the point is this, we're only talking about a minority of, of, of church leaders. And, and, and I maintain, just like with the presidency, I believe we've got a, a traitor in the White House right now. I believe we've got a, a, the most corrupt president that we've ever had. I think the evidence is clear that he's been involved in a complex bribery scheme. Uh, and by the way, on, on uh, tomorrow on my Praying for America program, we're going to go into, you know, he, he accepted bribes from, from China and, and other places too. He got the money, Biden and his family. But what did China get in return? We're going to go through some of that on our 8 o'clock show. So there's a deep state. But, you know, we still maintain our respect for the office of the presidency. The office of the presidency. Same thing within the church. I believe that Jesus... Jesus established the church with a hierarchical structure and that he established the office of bishop to succeed the apostles. These are the successors of the apostles. It's not a majority of them who are doing the kind of things and saying the kind of things and punishing people like, like, like me and launching investigations into bishops like Bishop Strickland. I'm, we can all name a whole bunch of other bishops and priests that should be investigated and, and disciplined. But but this is a minority, understand, it's a minority of, of these guys. 
So many of them are, you know, supportive. But it depends on what position they're in. You get some of the bad apples into the wrong positions, and then they use the levers of church governance uh, in the wrong way. Uh, let me see. Uh, uh, wrap up here. In a moment. Um, a lot of good comments. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the uh, uh, Katie uh, saying that Bishop Strickland is a courageous and faithful shepherd. Uh, pray for him. We're going to pray here uh, as we uh, conclude. And um, cowardice is not taught by God. Cowardice is not taught by God. No, the word of God tells us to be I, just the opposite. Spirit God has given us is no cowardly spirit, Paul says to Timothy. That's actually our motto here at Priest for Life. I am imagining how Jesus was flipping tables. That helps me not to be heartbroken. Thanks for the thought. Uh, yeah, that does help, doesn't it? You know, about, you know why? Because when we see all these things happening, if we're healthy and we're paying attention, it makes us angry. Anger is not bad in and of itself. It depends what we do with it and where, where it leads us. You use the energy of anger under the submission of, to the Holy Spirit, to do good, find the energy to do good. The anger is not bad. But, but the reason a thought like Jesus flipping the tables is consoling and helpful to us is that you realize that you're completely justified in feeling the anger. And I'm sure some people will watch this, watch this video, some of my critics, and say, oh, look, look, he's lost his mind. Look at him getting all angry and everything. And my response is, yeah, look at you not getting angry. You're sick. Because if you don't get angry at this stuff, killing of babies, indoctrination of our children, rewriting of our history, trashing our nation, ruining our border, ruining our economy, crushing religious freedom, you don't get angry at this stuff, something's wrong with you. And, you know, you think about Jesus flipping over the tables. It gives divine justification for human anger. And, and therefore we feel like, hey, we're not the crazy ones. And we're not. And some people will say, oh, yeah, you know, they, oh, people say we're crazy. Let's leave it at that. They, they say we're crazy in many different ways. Um, Evelina, again, I do understand more about Deep Church after reading Infiltration by Dr. Marshall. Now everything makes sense. Yeah, and reading all this, and, and reading my book, too, Abolishing Abortion, it does make sense. Because like I said towards the beginning of tonight, you know, there comes a point where you've had enough experience in a particular arena that you see the pattern. And you put two and two together. And yes, it does all make sense. Um, let's use our voice. And that's where I want to urge you, brothers and sisters, take action. Um, let's use our voices. Wes is saying righteous anger is necessary. It surely is. Let's use our voices and let's support one another. You know, many people ask me, you know, after, after the church did uh, what they did to you, uh, you know, what's the best way uh, for us to respond? What's the best way for us to help you? I want to tell you right now. Continue supporting us. Continue watching these programs, spreading these programs. Help us expand our audience. Support us financially. Participate in our projects. Tell other people about us. Get our books. Get our materials. Spread them to others. You know why? Because in doing that, you don't have to be criticizing anybody uh, in the church. 
you know, what you're doing, you're giving the, the biggest rebuke to those who persecute us is our success. Right? You understand what I'm saying? The biggest rebuke to those who try to stop our work is the success of our work. And we cannot have that success without you. Now, we can't have that success unless we are saying and doing the right thing and doing it well and doing it professionally. We've got a team of 50 people that work for Priests for Life. We just brought another new person on board. And, um, and, 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 and that's why I'm grateful for so many of you who say, hey, you know, Father Frank, you're making sense. You're, 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 um, you're saying things that are, uh, that are right, that are true, courageous. Thank you for that. That's what I strive to do every day. So we can't succeed unless I'm faithful to that mission. But me being faithful to that mission isn't enough. It's not enough. You know, one of the wicked things that these people want to do is to get other people, just like the, in persecuting President Trump, they're trying to get people not to vote for him. That's the whole game right there. So in saying things about me and doing things to me to try to discredit them to me, they're trying to get people not to support my work because they know that I need you. And so they try to stop people like you from listening to me, following me, supporting me, financially supporting us at Priests for Life. Don't let them succeed in that. The biggest rebuke against it, you don't have to do like I'm doing and, you know, expose them like this and, you know, criticize them and so forth. Most people prefer not to and I do too. I prefer not to have to criticize people like this. You try to treat people with, with respect, but at the same time, you have to call out evil where you see it. And you have to defend those in the church that are thirsting to hear the truth. But the point I'm making is the biggest rebuke to them is our success. Our continued success depends not just on me and my team. It depends on you. Prolifegift.org. Tonight, if you... If you're one with me, I know that we're in a bad financial climate today in America. Charitable giving has gone down. Everybody's experiencing the same kind of challenges. But if tonight what I'm saying resonates with you, if tonight you're saying to yourself, I hope that these things bring you to the edge of your chair. I hope they make, I hope they make you, you jump up. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to share with you something from, remember the movie Network back in the 70s? I want to share that with you as we conclude tonight. Then we'll go into prayer. But if you're jumping out of your seat and you're saying, amen, Father Frank, this is, this is right. We got to stand against this stuff. Well, then... Could I ask you to support us? I, I usually don't ask in this particular way on these broadcasts, but I we really we we can only succeed together here. Go to prolifegift.org. Uh, uh, send us a little something to so even if it's just a very little, every little bit is going to help. And let's do this together. Let's rebuke the other side. These guys are actually trying to get people not to donate to us. In fact, some of these 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 wicked people have actually said. Uh, publicly, don't support that work. Don't do that. Don't support that ministry. Why? It's the left-wing weaponization of the church. If they can make people think that they that that oh, well, maybe there's some financial questions with uh, the diocese of Tyler, and get people not to support the work that Bishop Strickland is doing there. It, it, this is this is wickedness. It's evil. Come against it. Let us be able to go to these people in authority and show them, hey, you know what? The people of God, 
They're supporting us now more than ever. Our donations have gone up. The number of people taking part in our prayer campaigns has gone up. The number of people receiving our emails has gone up. The number of people watching our programs has gone up. I need to be able to go back to them and say, it's gone up. That will be the rebuke that they need. That's the flipping of the tables. Let's do it together. It's exactly the same thing with President Trump. They try to sideline him. They don't, they want to choose instead of us choosing, they want to choose who our nominee will be. And that's why the American people, again, even if President Trump is not their first choice, they see this stuff going on and say, you're not going to take away from me my right to decide. Maybe I'll vote against him, but I'm not going to let you take away my right to make that decision. That's what this tyranny is about. That's what this weaponization is about. The radical left wants to decide who our nominee will be. Because they see in President Trump the biggest threat to the deep state, the radical left agenda, the immorality and godlessness, the pro-abortion agenda. They see him as the biggest threat to that. So they want him out of the picture politically. And what's his best rebuke to them? To come back and be able to say, aha, my poll numbers, they're not going down. They're going up. The number of votes I get went up. It went up the second time I ran. Even though Biden ended up in the White House, the votes for President Trump went up by 12 million votes, more than he got the first time. He got more votes than any sitting president in American history. That says something. That's the rebuke to the ones who were trying to sideline or discredit or punish him or even put him in jail. That's the rebuke, brothers and sisters, and that's the rebuke that we have to send to them with what's going on in the church. I'm not interested in starting a new church. I'm not interested in rebelling against the church. I'm not interested in leaving the church. That would give our enemies and our critics too much power. Aside from the fact that I believe what the Lord Jesus has given us here. That's not the way forward. The way forward is that the very work that we are all committed to here grows and flourishes, that they don't get to succeed in making Trump lose his support. They don't get to succeed in me losing mine. And that's not what's happening. The support is there. I know, because I know you, and I know where you stand, and I know that you are you are watching right now because you are ready to fight, except maybe for a handful of people who are really, <laughs> as you get older, you always get once in a while, uh, these folks here who are, uh, you know, trolls and, and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, well, you know, God bless them. They're, they're, so, they're, so, they're so deluded. It's unbelievable. Um, one more thing, and then we'll pray. Network. Look it up. It's a movie from the 70s, Network. Remember the scene? Remember the scene? I'm going to say it the way they said it in the movie. I'm using the word hell here, but, but it, it, it makes the point that we've been trying to make tonight. I, sorry for that. That sometimes the uh, little bit, little bit off with the language. Uh, hell, not, not that bad. So this guy is in the, in the news studio. Right, and he comes in. It's the '70s. There's all kinds of confusion with the economy and the Russians. And you remember the scene? He comes in out of a thunderstorm, and he's all sogging, soaking wet, 
And he's going to go on the air in a few seconds. And he goes behind the desk just like I'm sitting now. And they turn on the cameras. And he says, I, you know, I've had enough. That everything is falling apart. People can't, they, 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 it seems like everything is going crazy. And, 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 and they say, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't afford things. There's crime. There's this confusion. I don't know where the world is going. The breakdown of morality. He says, I just want to be left alone. Let me, let me uh, just uh, 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 sit, sit at home and, 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 and enjoy my, my, my meal and my TV. He says, but he says, I don't know what to do about all this. I don't know what the answer is to the economy. I don't know what the answer is to the, 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 the problems with the Russians. But I can tell you this, where we have to start is we have to get angry. He said, that's what, that, that, I don't know what the solution is where it leads to, but the starting point is you got to be angry enough to, 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 to take steps to make a change, to make a difference, to make the sacrifices that are necessary to change things. And so then in this movie, he gets up. Now, I don't have anybody with me here in the studio tonight, but I'm telling you, one of these days, I'm actually going to do this because once he does this, they have to follow him around with the camera and I'm sitting in front of a camera here that's standing still. But here's, the, here's what he does. He gets up and he says, so I want, well, here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to get up. And he says, and I want you to go to the window. And I want you to open that window and stick your head out and I want you to yell at the top of your voice, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. He said, get up, get up, get up, get up right now. Go to the window, open it up, put stick out your head. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. He said, because we got to get mad because there's things going wrong. We got to do something about it. We got to have the energy to do something about it. And if you don't get mad, you, then you don't see what's going on. So get up and stick your head out the window. And then you see people in all these different cities putting the windows up and sticking their heads out and they're yelling and shouting all clear across the country. It's a funny scene, but it's got a serious message. This is why God himself got angry. Jesus Christ, God incarnate. That's why St. Paul got angry. It's why you and I get angry. It's not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's the only sane, reasonable, responsible response to the insanity and the evil that is all around us. Not like these wimps who are saying, don't get angry about anything. Hey, there, there, that's what I think of that. That doesn't solve anything. You don't go wimping around, oh, we can't get anybody angry. Eh, promote peace and unity among everybody. Yes, we do have to promote peace and unity. You know how you do that? You get people to rally around the truth. You get them to rally around what's good. And the way you rally around the truth is that you expose falsehood and you oppose it. The way you get people to rally around what is good is that you resist evil. You name it and you fight it. And you fight it like hell because you're mad as hell. Look it up. The network movie Network from the 70s. That's a funny scene. Let's pray, friends. Let's pray. Lord, we, we come before you today. First of all, we are... We are sinners. We are sinners. We come before you with humility, Lord. All of this stuff that we're talking about tonight, we're not trying to present ourselves as better than anyone else. We're really not. We, we, we come before you are our God. We are the people you shepherd, the flock you guide, and Lord, we need you. We need your mercy. 
We need your guidance. We're not, we're not being judgmental here. If, any, if we're going to judge anyone, Lord, it's going to be ourselves for having offended you in so many ways, fallen short ourselves. But we do know the difference, Lord, between right and wrong. We do know what needs to be done in our times because things are bad. Lord, there are people who hate this country. Destructive people in positions of power who hate our faith. There are powerful organizations who mock our religion and who set themselves up, Lord, against you. And so we are filled with deep distress and righteous indignation. Lord, we thank you for raising up leaders throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia, voices like St. Paul, voices like St. Augustine, Thomas Moore, John Fisher, voices of saints who have exposed the evil of their day. Maximilian Kolbe, who is a saint not just because he gave his life for another prisoner in the death camp, but because of what he did to get into the death camp in the first place. He exposed the evil of the political party of his day that was suppressing human life and religious freedom. And that's how that priest ended up in the death camp. And today we don't need death camps to silence us. We just need some wayward church leaders who instead of punishing the bad, punish the good. Investigate the good. Intimidate the good. We won't stand for it, Lord, and we won't support it. Because you don't support it. If we know anything, Lord God, we know your word and we know your spirit. and We stand in your truth. Simple as that. So bless us. Bless leaders like Bishop Strickland, and we pray for a hymn tonight. It's, who knows what these uh, investigations are meant to uncover, but Lord, we know this, that the tactics being used in the church today are all slanted in one direction. Punishment and the intimidation are going in one direction. And we're sick and tired of it. Lord God, we ask you that we show us the ways to be supportive one of, of another in this church of ours. Show us the ways to protect our children from the evils around us, to protect our families from the violence around us. Lord, help us to take up the vote in this upcoming election to lead our country back. And we can still save this nation, we could still turn this around, Lord, but we may not have many other chances to do so unless we get this one right. So bless us, energize us, unite us, and give us peace. Give us peace. The peace and joy that come only from you and that no one can take away from us. We ask all this through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, I am certainly grateful to you. Boy, we went on a long time tonight. It's been a while since we've had a 
90-minute broadcast. And yet in that time, guess what? Our numbers have only increased. So some people say to me, oh, people don't watch long videos. They won't watch long programs. And it seems sometimes the longer we go, the more people we get. Uh, and you're all great. You're all great. Except the except a couple of enemies and, and opposers. And uh, yeah, let me warn you guys, it's not going to work. It's not going to work out well for your way of, uh, for your way of thinking. Um, so thanks friends for, uh, for being with me in more ways than one. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Make sure all of you are connected with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. Spread the word about our programs. We'll have our scripture teaching first thing in the morning. And uh, God bless you. Look forward to being with you uh, again tomorrow. Stay well. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.